We're going to continue uh, looking at the Palm Sunday story. I'm just going to create a bit of space so I don't break anything this week. Um, so if you've got a Bible with you, it might be worth turning to Matthew 21, but it will appear on the screen behind me as well. Um, sometimes we read the Bible and we have this desire to be there. What would it have been like to be there on Palm Sunday? Well, my friends, we are going to recreate it right now. So it will be almost like you were there. But in order to do that, I need a three sets of people to help me. I need lots of people with palm branches. Has anyone got palm branches? If you've got a palm branch, come and stand on the side of the aisle, all the way down. Stand on the side. And if you haven't got a palm branch and you want to be involved and you've got a coat or a cloak, that will equally be helpful. Then the, Oh, extra palms. If anyone wants another branch, you're very welcome. We need to recreate this well, so don't hold back here. Don't be English and just be reserved. Get involved. So we also need two other really important people to help us out. I need a, I need a Jesus, preferably under 20K in weight. Anyone want to be a Jesus? Elsie, you're going to be a Jesus. Fantastic. And I need now a hench donkey. Uh, I don't know whether Kezia, do you reckon you can carry Elsie? Hands and knees? Right. Kezia, donkey Kezia. If you go to the back door there, right at the back, Elsie, you go with there. I'm going to read this out, and you guys just know what to do. I can sense it, okay? You know what to do. Don't get... Hold the branches back for a dramatic effect keep the branches behind you until at such point in time donkey kezia and elsie jesus come past okay matthew 21 as they approached jerusalem and came to bethage at the mount of olives jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you uh, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her and tie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you Tell them that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey on the colt, placed their cloaks on them. Do you want a cloak, Elsie? Are you suitably cushioned at the moment? Is Kezia a little bit bony? Yeah, have we got a cloak to put over? Anyone got a coat to put over just to protect? Uh, thank you, Rachel. So they placed their cloaks on him, and Jesus sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them out on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of him, and those that followed... Wow, that is good work, Donkey Kezia. <laughs> the crowds went heaven. Those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered the Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. See, you're the whole city. See if you can get this one. The whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Wow. The crowds answered, they're kind of talking to themselves here. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. 
amazing. Thank you, Donkey Kezia and Elsie Jesus. If you'd like to go back to your seats. It's like we're in Jerusalem on the very Palm Sunday. Maybe it smelled a little different, but the, the air of celebration was authentic. That desire to see a, a king coming in on a donkey was there. I could see it in your hearts. I may have not heard it in your voices, but I saw it in your hearts. Don't worry. We got a real sense of that. So today, we're going to look at this passage, and this is the key question we're going to ask. Who is this? That's what the crowds were asking. Who is this? This man coming into Jerusalem on a donkey causing a stir. Some of them didn't know. Who is this? Now, they're not sure. The response of the crowd isn't sure. They've got some answers, though. They say he's a prophet in verse 11, a prophet, someone who speaks the words of God. They're convinced that's the case, and, and Islam would be convinced that's the case as well. Jesus is a prophet. He speaks the words of God. Is he something more? We read this as well in verse 9. He's the son of David. And Kim so helpfully explained some of that earlier on, that he's the forever king promised who would follow on in the line of David. So this person they're crying out is for the Messiah, for the son of David, to someone to come and reign and rule over them. And we also get a hint from the fact that they threw coats down. Because that's referring to a story in Chronicles, a, a king called Jehu, or Jehu, whichever you prefer. And when he became king, the crowds came and put their cloaks on the floor to say, come and rule and come and reign over us. It's a welcome, an invitation to Jehu to be the king. We want you to rule. And there's an invitation in the hearts of these people for Jesus to come and rule. But I'd like to suggest that they don't quite get it. They don't quite get who Jesus is. And we live in a world of people who would say that Jesus is, is a prophet, essentially, a good teacher. And maybe you're one of those people in the room right now, and you think he's a good teacher, he's a prophet, maybe he's from God. But we're going to discover today who Jesus truly is. You see, what we get a hint from Matthew is that they didn't quite understand it. Because he tells us, doesn't he? He says this, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on the colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, if you're going to war, you'd go on a horse. If you're going into military battle, you would go on something that would get you there. They didn't have tanks in these days, no aircraft. So this, that was the weapon of war, a horse. But he comes on a colt, on a donkey. Now, I just need a little bit of interaction here. Can you please name your favorite Bible donkey? There are a few. Yes, Micah. Balaam's donkey, the talking donkey, which I believe was a precursor to Donkey from Shrek. I think that's where... That's where the inspiration was from. Similar sort of kind of personality, I feel. Donkey from Shrek. Any of the famous Bible donkeys? The one that carried Mary. Two very famous donkeys in the Bible. This is the donkey does not get in. Oh, another donkey. The one from what? Star. The one that carried Mary, yes. And Star is a nativity film that we've watched at Christmas. So, yes, we've got three donkeys. We've got the talking donkey, 
we've got the Mary carrying donkey and we've got the Jesus carrying donkey but I think I just want to give a little bit more kudos to this donkey because the Mary carrying donkey just carried Mary this donkey's carrying Jesus now some of you say Jesus was in the womb of Mary at the time and I hear you but I'm talking about brute strength I think pregnant Mary weighs less than fully grown Jesus and I think therefore this donkey needs to be elevated in our opinion and when someone says to you next time round name me a famous Bible donkey say Palm Sunday donkey donkey what carried Jesus donkey not just in the womb of Mary donkey not the talking donkey but donkey donkey carried Jesus donkey because I think he needs more kudos because <laughs> well it's actually the it's the foal I think the younger one that he goes on which is even more unnerving but it's strong donkey anyway that has no relevance at all to the point that I'm making but I just wanted to elevate him he doesn't get much of a mention but Matthew mentions him on purpose because he indicates something to us you see the people of Jerusalem the Jews were hoping for a military king to overthrow the Romans you saying that's what Kim told us later on as well they were hoping for Israel to rise up and be the power they used to be, to dominate, to rule, to take the Romans down and be this amazing nation they longed to be. But Jesus has given them a hint that he's not that kind of king. He's coming in on a donkey and Matthew helps us see that. You see, a, few, a week later, a few days later, it's very likely that the same people that were crying, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord that the very same people crying, crucify him, crucify him. Because Jesus didn't match their expectations. Jesus wasn't who they thought it would be. And we need to be clear and come to the word of God and say, who is this Jesus? Who is he really? The best, best place to be informed of that is from the Bible. What about you? Do you know who Jesus is? And do you get why there's so much kerfuffle about him? Do you realize this? Just stop for a second. You will realize this, but just stop and pause and realize this afresh. The whole of our calendar system is based around the birth of Jesus. So the reason we're in the year 2023 and why it's called 2023 was because we estimate Jesus was born 2023 years ago. That's how significant Jesus is. The Bible is still the most popular book every single year. How, right, competition time, no prize offered. How many copies of the Bible are sold on average every year? Have a guess. One million from Steve. 14 million from Elliot. 20 million from Jem. Yes, Lily. Plus, what did you say, sorry? 90, sorry, it's not what they used to be. 90, go down, Elsie, go, go down, Lily. 80 million, that's right, Lily. Well done. 80 million copies of the Bible are sold every single year. So we may hear from the media that religion is dying down, that Jesus isn't that important. But there are still 80 million people a year buying the Bible because they want to know about this Jesus. This is what H.G. Wells said many, many years ago. I am a historian. I am not a believer. 
But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. 18 years ago, my first niece was born. I know I don't look old enough to have a niece that's 18 years ago. Fine. Um, 18 years ago, and I'd not really been around babies much, and the whole of Jules' side of the family were like, It's a baby! This is the most amazing thing ever! Let's completely devote all our attention and affection onto this small little snotty pooey thing. And I was like, what is the fuss? Seriously, it's just a little baby. Can't do much, can't even talk. It's just a baby. Now I grew to realize the joy of parenthood and infants and babies. But maybe you're sitting there, maybe you've been coming to church all your life, maybe you're not an adult yet, and you're just wondering, what is the fuss about this Jesus? A little rap there. What is the fuss about this Jesus? What is the fuss about this Jesus? Well, we're going to answer that question with one word, but I just, I need a little friend to help me with this, because I need to clarify to her. Come here, sweetheart. So this, what's your name? Hosanna. Hosanna. Do you know today is your day? It's like you were born for a moment like this. Can you, can you shout your name again for me? Hosanna. Yes, well done, sweetie. Get back to mummy then. So I just need to speak to Hosanna a bit. I'm going to say Hosanna a lot, Hosanna. In a minute, I'm going to say Hosanna a lot. But I won't be talking about you. I'll be talking about us asking God to save us. Okay? So when I say Hosanna, we're talking about that, not you. You keep sucking that lollipop. Thanks for your up. Well done, you. Really helpful. So Hosanna is going to unlock this passage for us, and we're going to spend a bit of time looking at that, and then we're going to respond. That's nearly Hosanna, Esme. It's a really good try. Really good try. So it's actually a Hebrew word, and it was a liturgical or religious word. It had a specific meaning and purpose, and its heart of it is this. Save us, Lord. Save us. Save us, Esme. Cry. Save us, Lord. And the Jews were saying this. This man on the donkey, save us from the Roman occupation. Help us be a free nation. Help us be great again. But that wasn't how Jesus planned to save. What about you? What are you hoping Jesus could save you from? Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's a nuclear nuke-off. Maybe it's loneliness or low self-esteem. And Jesus has got a lot to say about those things. But we all, every single person in this room, every single person in this city, every single person in the world needs to have this heart cry of Hosanna because we all need saving. We all need saving. And the way I'm going to demonstrate this is by the beauty of Strava. Now, uh, hands up if you're on Strava. Strava is an app that tracks your running. Everyone's feeling a little bit nervous. Now, I'm going to do a comparison on Strava between me and someone in this room. And we're going to use it to glorify Jesus. It's going to mainly look like I'm glorifying myself, but I promise you, I am humble and contrite in heart. But we're going to use it to glorify Jesus and to work out how we need saving, 
why we need saving, and how we get saved. So Andrew Seaton, come up, my friend. Come and take a stand next to me here. And the PowerPoint slide should hopefully come up behind me. Yes. So we're going to do a Strava comparison. And uh, I apologize in advance for this. To Andrew, not to you guys. You're going to enjoy it. Right. Slides up. Okay. We, we might be able to do this manually, if not. You can still, sorry, I've got the stats here. I've got backup, mate, don't worry. I've got it right here written down, just in case this is going to happen. Katie, you have a go in the background, and we'll carry on. So, what we're going to do is compare my times and Andrew's times. We're going to do four, 1K, 5K, 10K, and a half marathon. Yes, we both have done all those distances, which alone is quite impressive. Some of you in the room are already going, man, these guys are great, and we are. Right, 1K time. I have done a 1K in three minutes, nine seconds. My friend Andrew here, on his Strava records, it indicates he's done uh, four minutes and 28 seconds. Okay, so we need to put that in reality. It's just time. So from here, this room to the main entrance of Sheffield Wednesday on Penniston Road is one kilometre. That's the distance, okay? So if we were to race there, when I arrived at Sheffield Wednesday ground, Andrew would still be in the park. Still be in the park, floundering, while I am on Poundston Road, probably having a breath, taking a break, and I'm at the Sheffield Wednesday ground celebrating, okay? It's just context. I'm helping you understand what it would feel like. Okay, 5K. We'll go Drew first. 5K, this is not bad, mate. 24 seconds, no, 24 minutes. Whoa, 24 seconds. Ah! 24 minutes and 44 seconds flat. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I have done it. <laughs> 19 minutes and 41 seconds. Let's put some context on it. It's just numbers, isn't it? Let me elaborate a little bit, if I may. I can do my 5K, and should there be a boiling pan of water at the end of the race, I'll be able to boil an egg and start eating it. That's the time gap between the two of us. There's plenty of time for me to boil an egg after I've finished, whilst I wait for Andrew to finish his 5K. Uh, this is, I'm not trying to deride him or anything. I'm just pointing out facts and illustrating it for you. Okay. <laughs> Take you a week, Brian. <laughs> 10K. So 10K, um, just under an hour, 59 minutes and 8 seconds. Not bad. Uh, 40 minutes and 55 seconds. So let, again, yeah, 40 minutes and 55 seconds. So if we put my 10K and my 5K time together, so if I run 15K in 10K, if we run that at the same time, then Andrew would just about beat me. So if I did 15K and Andrew did 10K, he'd just about win that race. So if I run, I can't look at the maths, 50% more than him, he'd win the race. Okay, okay half marathon, this one's my favourite. So, uh, half marathon, mate, I'm impressed with a half marathon. Two hours, 25 minutes, and 17 seconds. Very good. My best time, according to Strava, is one minute, 35, and 40. One hour, 35 minutes. Sorry, one hour, 35 minutes, and 41 seconds. Now, we need some context, don't we? So, let's say we ran the Sheffield Marathon last week. Um, I'd be able to finish that marathon, walk at a relatively leisurely pace home, have a shower, 
make my lunch, I'd start eating my lunch, at which point in time, Andrew would have finished the race. So that gives you a bit of context. Comparison is helpful. I want to thank you so much for being roasted. and allowing. This is for Jesus, for the gospel. Thank you. Why have I told you all that? We, to big myself up. There is a danger that when we come to goodness and righteousness, that we look around the world and begin to compare ourselves to others. So we think, actually, compared to the murderer down the road, or any other of horrendous crimes that I don't particularly want to mention in a family-friendly show, we can go, actually, I'm all right. Look at me. Look at my times. I'm pretty good. But that is not how we judge. That is not how we assess. We don't compare ourselves to other people. You see, our comparison should be what God says is good. Our comparison should be what God calls righteousness. You see, if God was to do a one cage, you know what his time would be? As an omnipresent God, zero. I'm going to skip to half marathon so you get the point. If God was to run a half marathon, if we're going to time him, he's omnipresent, he's both at the start and at the end. Do you know what his time is? Zero. That's our comparison. That's what we should be looking at. God says all have fallen short of the glory of God. All. So if we want to look at our righteousness and goodness, we say, what is the standard? Well, the standard God says is perfection. If we fall short of the glory of God, it also says this in Romans, the wages of sin is death. What do we need saving from? You see, our sin, not our good works, our sin has put us in a predicament where we need saving. You see, the sin that we commit, whether it's one, 1,000 to 1 million, and we're all in the latter category, I think, it puts us in a place where we are not good enough for God. (laughs) See, this is my comparison to God. I'm not good enough for him. So it doesn't matter what my times are on this side. I'm not good enough. You see, to be adopted into the family of God, to be embraced by him, to be co-heirs with Christ Jesus, to be called into eternity, to spend the rest of our lives with him, to enjoy celebrating who he is, to know him deeply and intimately, to have freedom to come into the presence of God. I need to have a zero record. I need to be someone who has never put a foot wrong. I need to be someone who is acceptable for God. And I can tell you this for a fact, no matter what age you are in this room, what your background or where you're from, we have all fallen short of God's standard. It's not for questions, Michael. I'll chat to you then, all right? We've fallen short of the glory of God. And we are those that should be crying, Hosanna. Hosanna. Save us. You see, when you get a true view of yourself, when the Holy Spirit reveals to you how your righteous acts are like filthy rags, When the Holy Spirit reveals to you and convicts you of your sin, you know you can do nothing else but cry, Hosanna. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. As an 11-year-old boy, I remember sitting and a man's preaching and just recognizing I need a savior. 
I can't do this. I cannot be good enough. And this morning, I want us to realize whether you've accepted Jesus or not, we need saving. We need Jesus. And we've heard this morning a couple of things that we may feel like we're free, but we've put cages around us. You may be dabbling in sin as an expression of your freedom. You may say it's all right, but you know something? When you're dabbling in sin, you're putting a cage around yourself, but Jesus is going to come today and he can set you free from that cage, set you free from that sin. We also heard as well, God wants to show us favor and mercy. You see, the cry of Hosanna, save us, Lord, will be answered with mercy. It will be answered with grace because God longs to save anyone who calls out to him. Longs to save anyone of any age who says, I'm not good enough for you, God. I need you. Hosanna, save me. So here's a question to finish with. Why do Christians get so excited about Easter? Well, we're going to use this to show how, if we can get the next slide up. That's the last slide. Uh, no, it's fine. Oh, we've got an older version. That's fine. I can talk it through. So this is what happens. I'll explain what happens. When we trust in Jesus, when we cry Hosanna, when we say, I'm not good enough, I cannot do this. I cannot be good enough for God. I look around. I compare myself to others. I think I'm okay. I compare myself to God's standards. I know I need saving. How does that work? Well, Easter is the point where it happens. I don't want to spoil alerts. I don't want to just plow into Good Friday and Easter Sunday, but we're going to have to really, otherwise we're going to be living with this weight of how do I get saved? But I'm going to put it in this way. When you believe that Jesus, the Son of God, the perfect one, the righteous one died for you. When you believe that he took your punishment, when you fully commit your life to him and say, it's all about you, Jesus, I need you, Hosanna, then those records, those zero records, do you know what happens? They become ours. He rewrites our 1K our 5k, our 10k and a half marathon times and said, look, you can have Jesus' times. You can have his righteousness. You can have his goodness. I want you to be in my family. I want you to be saved. And there's only one way you can be saved. There's only one way you can come to know Jesus. When you cry, Hosanna, save me. We look at the cross and see the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us and we get his records we get his righteousness and so we get treated as Christ gets treated this is a foundational and life changing truth and many of us here will have heard this before but this morning God wants to get hold, us to get hold of it afresh he changes the record that means when God looks through his 1k and his 5k and his 10k records and comes across Dan Neath, do you know what he sees? zero when he looks through his records and he sees Steve Steve Wiley zero it has been wiped away Hosanna save us not from the Roman occupiers not from my loneliness not from my low self-esteem not from the difficulties of life save me from my sin Lord 
and he willingly and graciously and triumphantly and gloriously does it and he's going to do that this morning let me finish by going back to our question that we asked at the start who is this who is this that caused so much kerfuffle in Jerusalem who is this that caused so much kerfuffle that the whole of time is built around him he is the saviour he is our saviour he is my saviour and today he can become your saviour but he's not just the saviour he's also the king the mighty king the one and only true king and we're going to sing a song in a second and we're going to respond and there are going to be two responses some of you might want to grab a palm leaf and say today is the day that I'm going to cry Hosanna for the first time save me Jesus but some of us you've already done that you've made that decision but you've not said Jesus be the king Jesus come and be the king of my life access all areas and if that's you you can respond in any way you want but let me suggest a way you might do it you might want to put your coat or your jumper down as we sing and you might want to kneel on that you can do that inconspicuously at the side you can just sit on it whatever you want I don't want to make it it's not about public spectacle it's about you saying I welcome you as king in my life I put down my cloak before you. I allow you, Jesus, to walk over it. I allow you to rule over my life. So we're going to declare Jesus as Savior, and we're going to declare Jesus as King.